Last week we looked at the wisdom of Proverbs 19, verse 11. It talked about the, the dangers of sinful anger and the wisdom of overlooking an offense, the glory of a man to overlook an offense and entrust themselves to God. This week we continue looking at this idea of trusting our God with perfect justice as we turn to the Psalms, which are God's hymn book. God's hymn book, which helps us to pray and to sing God's truths so that with his help, these truths don't just go in our heads and not change our lives, but that those truths would actually sink into our hearts and change the way that we live and change us as a people of God, that we'd be transformed by the renewal of our minds. So let me encourage you as we turn to God's word to actually open up your Bible with me and to follow along. We'll need about 15 minutes as we, as we look to God's word. And we're going to take a moment just to try as best we can to free ourselves from any of the distractions that go on around us right now and to actually turn to God's word to read it, to reflect upon it, to pray God's word, and then to praise God's word in song using the words of Psalm 69. Psalm 69 is the psalm we're going to look at today, and it's a psalm that was written by King David and helps us to know how to respond uh, when we face our own crisis. So let me Uh, begin by reading to us God's word in Psalm 69. Psalm 69. To the choir master, according to the lilies of David. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out and my throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Mighty are those who would destroy me, those who attack me with lies. What I did not steal must I now restore? O God, you know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. Let not those who hope in you be put to shame through me, O Lord of hosts. Let not those who seek you to be brought to dishonor through me, O God of Israel. For it is for your sake that I have borne reproach, that dishonor has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's sons. For zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. When I wept and humbled my soul with fasting, it became my reproach. When I made sackcloth my clothing, I became a byword to them. I am the talk of those who sit in the gate, and the drunkards make songs about me. But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord. At an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. Deliver me from sinking in the mire. Let me not Let me be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Let not the flood sweep over me or the deep swallow me up or the pit close over my mouth. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. Hide not your face from your servant, for I am in distress. Make haste to answer me. Draw near to my soul. Redeem me. Ransom me because of my enemies. You know my reproach, and my shame and my dishonor, my foes, are all known to you. Reproaches have broken my heart so that I am in despair. I looked for pity, but there was none, and for comforters, 
but I found none. They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. Let their own table before them become a snare, and when they are at peace, let it become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see, and make their their loins tremble continually. Pour out your indignation upon them, and let your burning anger overtake them. May they may their camp be a desolation. Let no one dwell in their tents, for they persecute him whom you have struck down, and they recount the pain of those you have wounded. Add to their punishment upon punishment. May they have no acquittal from you. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living. Let them not be enrolled among the righteous. But I am afflicted and in pain. Let your salvation, O God, set me on high. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns or hoofs. When the humble see it, they will be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own people who are prisoners. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. For God will save Zion and build up the cities of Judah, and people shall dwell there and possess it. The offspring of his servants shall inherit it, and those who love his name shall dwell in it. Amen. Psalm 69, again, it's written by King David years ago when he was facing a crisis. It seems most likely from the psalm itself that it was him facing some sort of slander or unjust criticism. We know it's written by King David. And as we read it, we realize that it's a messianic psalm. It's a psalm that's quoted seven times in the New Testament, a psalm that points to Jesus who would come one day as the eternal Davidic king, the Christ, who would rule and reign. So you'll hear hints of of Jesus all over Psalm 69. In fact, it's the psalm that we heard Jesus himself quote this past Sunday as we looked at John chapter 2 when he cleansed the temple. John referred to his cleansing of the temple as the zeal for your house has consumed me. The disciples watched what happened and they saw Jesus as a fulfillment of this verse. So the mockery and the suffering that David endured, as reflected in this psalm, pointed forward to the unfathomable suffering that Jesus endured for our salvation. We see a hint of that in verse 21. They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. We know that 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 was what happened when he was hanging on the cross, and they offered him sour wine to drink. And so it's, a, it's written by David, but it points to Jesus and his suffering that he endured for our salvation. Or as the book of Hebrews puts it, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. In that sense, we not only see that Psalm 69, what it meant for David, we also see what it meant for Jesus and consequently what it means for us, his people. And so as we reflect on Psalm 69, we'll see that it breaks into four parts that we can use as a springboard for our own prayer life today. Verses 1 through 15 is the first part, then verses 16 through 21, then 22 through 29, and then finally verses 30 through 36. Our first section is verses 1 through 15. It's a a prayer for deliverance. And in this section, we hear David asking God to deliver him, himself. Deliver me when the waters rise up to my neck. 
Deliver me when my feet fall into the muck and the mire and I feel trapped. Deliver me when I'm weary from crying out to you and my throat is parched. So David prays for himself, but he also prays for others. As we see in verse 6, he's asking God to help him so that those who also have trusted in God would not be put into shame for doing so. David's an example. They're looking as as David trusts God, they're trusting God. And so he says in verse 6, let those who hope in you not be put to shame. And so it's here we see his concern is not just so much for himself and his own comfort, but his his concern is also for him for for God and his for God's honor, for God's name to be worshiped. That's what David was zealous about in verse 9. Zeal for your house has consumed me. And then notice the second part of verse 9. And the reproaches, he says, of those who reproach you have fallen on me. In other words, David is so God-centered, so concerned with the honor of God's name, that an insult against God is one that David takes personally. It's as if that insult was against him. Verses 16 through 21 then show us what motivated David's prayer, even in hard times. It's as if he opens the hood of his prayer life and shows us that the engine that keeps his prayer life going in hard times is God's unfailing love. He makes that crystal clear for us when 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 he talks about the unfailing love of God in verse 16. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. He prays knowing, verse 19, that God knows his reproach. He sees the shame. He sees the dishonor. God's not distant or indifferent. God knows what's going on. And so even when there's no comfort from his opponents, he knows that God will comfort him. And so he comes to God who has unfailing love and he prays. Verses 22 through 29 then are a prayer for God's perfect justice. They're what's known in the Psalms as a a prayer of imprecation, or in other words, a prayer for God's judgment. They're fierce words. And we have to be careful here because we don't pray a psalm of imprecation the exact same way that David prays an imprecation because we're not in David's position of royalty in a theocratic government. We live in a different uh, period of salvation history. But Jesus is on the throne. He is in a position of royal of royalty, and he rules all things. And so part of the ways that we pray, verses 22 through 29, is by looking to Jesus. We look to Jesus for perfect justice, to right what is wrong in this world according to his word. We wait on King Jesus and trust in him for this justice, either by him judging that evil and judging that sin on the day of judgment, or by taking the punishment for that wrong, that injustice, in himself. Remarkably, in Romans 15, verse 3, Paul quotes Psalm 69 to remind us that Jesus did not come to please himself. He came to bore, to bear our reproach. And so knowing this, this selflessness, this, this willingness to, to right what is wrong, and also to ultimately in Christ bear our reproach, we should praise God. We should pray God even while we wait on our God. And that's what he does finally in our last section, verses 30 through 36. His prayer turns into praise. And that's what David models for us to do as well. 
So friends, having read Psalm 69, having briefly reflected on 69, let's go to the Lord and pray to our God with Psalm 69 as our guide. So wherever you're at, please join me as I lead us in prayer. Father, we thank you today that we can come to you in any crisis, no matter how big or small it might be. We praise you that you know the details of our situation. Lord, you know the situation that feels like waters that that is up to our neck, that we're about to drown. You know the desperation that we feel. You're not indifferent to that. You've heard the cries that we've offered to you such that our throat is now parched and our eyes feel dim. And yet, like David, we wait upon you because you are our deliverer. That's why we come to you in prayer right now. We pray that you would rescue us, that you would deliver us from from our crisis. We pray that you would protect us even in the midst of what feels to be a valley of the shadow of death. Father, if we are being falsely accused, if we are being hated by others without cause, we pray that you would give us the grace to do what is right and good, to not repay evil for evil, but to repay evil with good, to overcome evil with good. Help us to pray for our enemies. Help us to bless those who curse us. Lord, we pray that in our trusting you in hard times, that, that others would see us doing what is right and waiting upon you to see our hope that we have in you, a hope that goes beyond this life, a hope that goes beyond the grave itself, that others would see this and ask, what is the hope that you have? And that, that we would take those opportunities to tell others about the hope that we have in Christ. And we pray that, that as a result, that others would trust in Christ a God who is willing to bear the reproach that our sins deserve, that we might go free. Father, as we wait on you, we pray for the grace to comprehend and rest in your unfailing love. May we not for one minute believe the lie that you don't care for us, that you're cold or distant to us. Help us to believe and to trust in your unfailing love. And when we are wronged, Lord, when we are wrong, when we have sinned, when we have fallen into folly, grant us the courage to admit it, to confess it, to run to Jesus for mercy. When we are wronged, help us to trust you with vengeance rather than take vengeance up into our own hands. We do pray that you would right the wrongs that we endure in a fallen world. We pray for those who are in positions of authority around us to uphold what is good according to your law and to condemn what is evil and to do so with equity and fairness. Father, we love you. We wait on you, trusting that you are God, hears those who are needy. Lord, we trust you and we love you, knowing that we shall one day dwell with you forever. And so knowing that, as the psalmist reminds us, we praise you as our deliverer, as our refuge, and as our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, we've had a chance to read and reflect and to pray through Psalm 69. We want to end our time today by responding to God in song, by actually singing the truths of Psalm 69. And so uh, Jason Brown and our our band has uh, recorded the song, What a Savior, uh, a song that summarizes many of the truths that we uh, see in Psalm 69 as an aid to help us to uh, 
sing these truths back to God and to each other and as, an, as a way for us to ask God to help these truths to sink into our hearts. And so if you will, turn to our YouTube page. Uh, you can follow the link in the written form of these announcements or this devotional and take a moment to uh, not only listen to, but sing along with us, What a Savior.